over 3,000 times they had tested it. Over and over and over again, trying to get it exactly right. This was going to change the world. It, it was going to be the thing that forever changed the way we lived our lives. And he knew, he knew if he could just get it right, this one little thing, if he could figure it out, that it was going to make humanity better. 3,000 tests before he figured out exactly how to get carbon and filament to work in the right way. Thomas Edison's aha moment, his eureka moment, the moment where all things came together, a moment of epiphany. This, this beautiful image of creating light, which we know God did first, but Thomas Edison decided that he would try to improve on it. This, this very moment, he said it was the moment that God gave him everything he needed to create the light bulb. And lights appeared. I'm sure the first filament light bulb um, didn't quite look like the ones that I bought from Costco yesterday. These ones you just screw in and plug into an outlet, and amazing enough, they will stay lit for as long as they're plugged in, as long as the outlet is working. His light bulb lasted for about 13 hours as he continued to improve on it. Epiphany in the church, which is this Sunday, the first Sunday of the year, is a year where we celebrate we're 12 days outside of Christmas. We're at the end of the Advent season. There is this aha moment. The light of the world has come. Oftentimes we celebrate it by pastors preaching about the three wise men following the star that lit up the sky and guided them towards the Christ child. Today we're going to be in the book of Isaiah, chapter 60. We're actually going to be there next week too as we talk about the light of God that shines into the darkest of places. Will you stand with me this morning for the reading of God's word from Isaiah chapter 60? Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Look and see, for everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming from distant lands. Your little daughters will be carried home. The word of God for the people of God. The people of Israel really had struggled for a long time. You see, the book of Isaiah, in all of its glory, walks us through the journey of an exiled people of God. The beginning of Isaiah, and we're not going to walk through all 60-some chapters today, don't worry, but the beginning of Isaiah is him standing before kings going, you've got to return to God. It's so important. It's going to change your kingdom, and if you don't do it, devastation is to come. The kings didn't listen, making treaties with Assyria, 
and the people of Israel end up in captivity for 200 years. 200 years. They had been, they had been guided by the one true God, but they had fallen away into dark places. Their home Jerusalem, the center of everything that was beautiful and wonderful about their relationship with God, the physical presence of God on this earth, the glory of all nations had been taken over by other nations. Why? Because the people chose darkness over light. But even in the midst of this book, Isaiah had hope. He has this marvelous calling where he sees winged angels and he sees God himself and an angel brings the coal and touches his lips to purify him so that he can go out and preach the message of God. And God gives him this great and phenomenal message, a message of destruction. He says, you're going to go and preach to the people, but they're not going to listen. Their ears are going to be shut. They're not going to do a single thing you tell them to do, and then they're going to be destroyed. They're going to be cut down and destroyed by other nations all the way until there is barely a stump left of these people. But I will bring them back to me. We skip forward all the way to Isaiah 60 where we see this come to fruition. The people of God have been allowed to go back to their land. They've been set free. What do you do with freedom after 200 years? They've been set free. I can't imagine how much changes in a culture when you're slaves, when you're held captive, when you don't have opportunities to make your own decisions. 200 years. Hattie Jo can barely handle captivity in her room for 20 minutes. Yet, here they are, getting to come home. It's a brand new beginning. And is all new beginnings, true new beginnings, they begin with the light of God. Beginning of Isaiah chapter 60 reminds us that the glory of God has come that his light is shining on his people. The light of God has come. I love the imagery of light in our scriptures. We see it over and over and over again. Almost 250 times is light mentioned in our Bibles. As we read through, we, we think about John in the beginning. We think about the very beginning. So um, this is a little plug because I didn't get an announcements today. If you're interested in reading the Bible in a year, there is a link in your bulletin. And we're doing it together as a congregation. We're never going to meet physically. It's something you do on your own. And then you can plug in and comment through the Bible app. And so I'd encourage you to do that. But, um, and you can catch up. We're not too far. I mean, we're only day five into the year. So you've, you've, you've got time to catch up and, and join us. But and th- we just read the very beginning. God created light. Not only did God create light, but God is light. In 1 John 1, 5 through 7, and I think we have that scripture up there, Miranda. It says, 
This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed it to you, that God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. Mmm, that's harsh. If we say we have fellowship with God and we choose to walk in the darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. From all sin. So what did the light of God do for the people of Israel? What did it do as they came back into Jerusalem? I'll tell you what it did. God gifted his children with some of the most amazing gifts they could ever imagine. He brought them into this city, the city of light. He said, you don't even need the sun because my glory will shine so bright. He brought them back into the city and he shed his light upon them. But the hope of God, the promise that was made to Abraham so long ago, wasn't just so that the light could stay in one city. It was so that the light of God could be spread to all nations. Abraham would be the father of many nations. The hope is for all nations. And Isaiah believed that, and he preached it. That God is the light, and he is the light for all nations. And so God did this beautiful and unique thing. He brought the nations to Israel. He brought nations who, who gifted them with the things that they needed to rebuild the city, to rebuild the place where God dwelled. He brought healing to their brokenness, and he set them free. At the beginning of Isaiah chapter 60, it starts out talking about how the light would shine on all people. And I, I just want to read this passage for you again real quick. I'm sorry that I didn't have it marked. And Isaiah is so close to Jeremiah when you get so far to the end like that. Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all who see, for the glory of God rises upon you. Arise, Jerusalem, seems like a pretty simple phrase. You think, oh, it means get up, people of God, or get up, city, wake up. Arise can mean all types of things, but if you go back and you dig in to the original meaning of this phrase, it was, it was actually paralleled with a woman who was in bondage. Arise, Jerusalem. You would never guess that unless you read more into it. In other words, be set free, Jerusalem. Woman that I love, be set free. You're no longer a slave. When the light of God shows up, chains are broken. When the light of God shows up, we are set free. When the light of God shows up, we now have the ability to follow after God, free of the burden of sin and of death. We are not a woman in chains. 
so much as Jerusalem was. But often we find that we have chains that are binding our heart. What chains have held you back this year? What chains have kept you from fully following after the way of God? What sins have you been bound to? What brokenness has held you captive? Oh, there is good news. The light of God has come. The light of God has come. It shines on you just as it shined on the people of Israel. And just like them, the light of God sets you free. The light of God changes our priorities. All of a sudden, the things that seem so important to us become really unimportant. I'm excited for you to hear some of the testimonies next week during baptism. Stories of chains being broken, of heritages, heritages, of families being transformed by the light of God. Do you know that you don't have to continue what your parents taught you? You don't have to continue to be broken. You don't have to continue to be addicted. You don't have to continue to be abusive. God breaks those chains. He sets us free. He changes our priorities. This week I received a letter in the mail. It was in my box and I came into church on Friday and I, I looked at it and for a minute I, I didn't recognize it because it came from a prison. And I was like, I don't think I know anybody in prison. Which may say something about the type of people that I need to start ministering to this year. And I thought, okay, I don't think I know anybody in prison. And I get the letter and I take it to my desk and I open it up and there's eight pages handwritten addressed to me personally. As I read through the eight pages, I just begin to weep over a young man who made some really foolish decisions a couple of years back. At 18 years old, his life has been forever changed by a really terrible decision that he made. And yet, his letter spoke of hope. I expected it to, to speak of brokenness and hurt, and he spoke of some of that. But in the end, it spoke of the day that he would be able to be released from the bondage of prison walls. How God had transformed him, how God had changed his life, and how he wanted to make a difference in the lives of others. And he's got a hard road ahead of him. Because once you've been convicted, it's really hard to get out. But just like me, this young man worships the God of light, the God who comes in, the God who breaks chains, the God who changes our priorities, the God who sets us free. The people of Israel didn't stick with it. 
I know. I, I feel like if I'm going to end a sermon that I should end it on a happy note and I should say everything was awesome and the people followed after the light of God and they did everything that they were supposed to. But we know that doesn't happen if we've ever read scripture or a history book. The Israelite people are not in charge of Jerusalem. The Jews have been in bondage repeatedly over the decades past. But something changed. The light of God didn't just shine upon a city and a people with a responsibility to shed the light of God. The light of God came to us in flesh and blood, born as an infant to a human mother, a human father who loved and raised the very Son of God. Jesus quotes. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, he quotes back to the book of Isaiah chapter 9. And here, where Isaiah was just beginning to understand what it meant for the light of God to come, and this, this beautiful book of prophecy of what was happening then with the people and what was to happen for eternal purposes, Jesus quotes him. The people who sat in darkness. This is Jesus, the mouth of God speaking to us. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadows. Can you picture this beautiful imagery? Who sat in darkness they lived in a land where death casts its shadows. A light has shined. Verse 17. And from then, from then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent of your sins and turn to God. For the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of heaven is near to us. Why is the kingdom of heaven near to us? Because the light has come. Jesus has come. The kingdom has come. And the glory of God is physically present with us. Aha. Eureka. It's an epiphany. You don't have to live in darkness. You don't have to repeat history. You don't have to be chained and bound up to death. You can be set free by the light and the glory of God. And oh, what he has in store for you is so beautiful and marvelous. You can't even begin to fathom it. But you'll never experience it if you sit in shadows of death and darkness. You'll never experience it. Do you remember? Do you remember the moment 
Christ became your light. It's overwhelming. Everything changes. We forget that sometimes. We forget that moment of transformation. We get so stuck in the humdrum of our lives. We become enslaved to our jobs and to our families, to good things sometimes. We forget that the light of God has come. The light of God that leads us, that guides us. And if I preach too much longer, I'll start preaching next week's sermon, so I'm going to stop. May the light of God do what it always does in your life this week. May it bring healing to your brokenness. And like the slave woman chained up, arise, Jerusalem. May it change your priorities. The things that we did in the darkness, we no longer do in the light. May it transform the way that we live everyday life. May God's light do that for you. And if you've set some kind of New Year's resolution and you think you're going to do that on your own, it doesn't happen. God is the light. God is light. Without him, you're going to continue to sit in darkness no matter how hard you try on your own. Let his light in. Allow him to speak and to guide and to lead your priorities. Allow it to set you free. Free to serve. Free to love your neighbor as yourself. And free to love our God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the beauty of your word. You loved us enough to create light first because you are light, and then you just kept on giving your light to us. And in the dark places, Eliezer says, the deep, dark night of my soul. In those dark and devastating places, God, you shined a light ever so bright. May we see it, may we follow it, may we shake off the darkness, turn to you for repentance and be transformed by your marvelous and glorious light. Continue to work in us, O oh God, according to your will, and we will give you all the praise. Amen. Will you stand today for the benediction? For those of you who are living in darkness, there is a great light, the great light of Jesus who shines on you. May you go forth and shine the light of Christ to others. Amen.